0: Well, how are you now, Scout? Ah, there you are now. He's bleeding massive. A fair play in all fairness. Go tubbing. him. Gives a shot yeah. I'm allergic to this. Relax
1: the cocks. Go out of that. Ah, oh, Jesus. Just yourself. Get that into you, Cynthia.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, episode three, season five of Tis Yourself with me, Nicola Barden. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you are all having a great weekend. It's not absolutely lashing like it's been the last couple of days here in Ireland. Hope you're wherever you are listening in the world, you're having a fabulous day. Out for a nice stroll or cleaning the kitchen or lying on your butt and doing nothing but just listening to this episode. Whatever it is. I'm just so happy that you're here and you've pressed play and you are discovering the podcast for the first time. You're an old old pal. And we have a hilarious episode for you today. Now, first of all, I have to be completely honest here. This episode is due to air. I'm looking at my clock here right now. It's due to air in three hours. It's now 10 to 11. And I usually uh, put this on Friday night. And I usually put this up on Saturday morning around 1, 2am. So yeah, so I'm really, really, really on the ball. Oh God, you know, you just keep like leaving things to the last minute. That was me. And instead of recording this earlier on, the intro and the outro and stuff like that, I was such a big brother. So I'm just a little bit obsessed with it at the moment. And I had to see who was going to go between Zach and Henry and I had to watch that (laughs) and I had to lie on the couch and have a Kit Kat. Of course, procrastination, my best friend. But this episode hopefully will make up for it because it's really, really good crack. So my guest today, you will know him from Fair City, one apparently one of many stints in Fair City. You could know him from Love Hate. You can know him from Coppers Musical. You could know him from the Panto. Loads and loads and loads of stuff. Now, the first time I suppose I became aware of him was in Love Hate when he was playing Polly. And you might remember him, he was was Siobhan, who's on the motorbike. And yeah, he was in season five, the last season of it. And and, then Siobhan, Siobhan gave him the shove, literally. Um, And then, of course, he was Ciarán in Fair City and he kept poor Katie in the box. Now, anyone who lived in Ireland at the time and said they didn't know Katie in the box, they lied because he went on for over a year. And no matter if you didn't watch it at the start, by the end of it, we were like, when is Katie getting out of the box? Her eyebrows still look fantastic for a woman that's been kept in a container for the last year and a bit. So he must have been, I should have asked him, was he plucking her eyebrows or what was the story? Or did he leave her tweezers in the wee mirror? Interesting. Maybe we'll get Amelia on sometime and she can tell us about that. <laughs> But yeah, Johnny, I met Johnny years and years ago. I think I first, yeah, I first met him when he started out in Fair City. And then we went down a few, myself and a few other journals went down to the set when they were, when it was finally coming to an end of the storyline. um, And I'm there as well. And uh, known him throughout the years. And the thing is, like, as I said to him, I actually didn't know how we got into acting or anything. So like, it's funny how you can have someone around that you've met a good few times and you actually don't. You think you know loads about them, but you don't. So I learned a lot about him today. Got to chat to him all about his lovely what, new wife, Brenda, because he just got married a couple of months ago. Um, got to talk about his career, some stuff that you probably never heard of, like shows that never made it that he got to work on. And then they just disappear and nothing ever happens to them. And yeah, he's going to be starring in the Panto. Dumb people and young people will know this now, especially dumb people. Dumb people love Panto. I, I can't remember, like, we didn't get to go to a Panto. We went to a Panto once. And it was when I was in school. So as a culture, we went once and it was to um, Joseph and his amazing technical or dream coat. I remember there was a guy that was from, I think his name was Owen in Fair City. He was in it. I feel like I was in sixth class because I remember we were starting to like fancy boys around the time. And this was a big deal when we went to this, but I know a lot of schools now go to the Panto and a lot of Dublin people always go every year. And I know my friend's daughter, Dakota, is going to be in the Gaiti Panto this year. It's their second year. Um, so it's very exciting. And Johnny is going to be in uh, Alan Hughes and Carl Broderick's Panto again. So it's 25 years of their Pantos they've been doing. He's in Sammy, Buffy and the Beanstalk. That's the one out in the National Stadium. And he's playing the villain. So he's going to be the bad guy. So... We chat all about that and his different, like he goes back. Okay. I'm not going to give it away, but he goes back to how he started out in Panto. He was in the original one with the lads years and years ago. And you won't believe who he played and you won't believe who's beside him. I honest to God, I was like, oh my god, in total shock. So I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to stop talking now and rambling on. I'm going to let you guys hear my chat with Johnny and I really hope you enjoy. So here it is.
1: Hello. Hello. I was really nervous about this. I haven't done something like this since lockdown. So it's like the last time I would have been on this was when I was like teaching loads of anxious kids who were doing their junior cert, And like the drama classes that we used to do just became therapy sessions, to be honest. And uh, so then I just got a bit of anxiety with the whole thing.
0: Well, look, if we want, we could get deep here. It could be like a therapy session. You never know. We'll go back to those days let's, that you we're having.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Why not? How are you?
0: Good. Is it, well, since last time I saw you, you've gotten married.
1: Yeah, that's right. My God. It's like just over three months ago. It's like a different life now. It's weird. Really, really strange. But uh, some year, I tell you, all the same. But I everyone is kind of going on about the, oh, you know, the, the post-wedding blues and all that be happening stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. But The last kind of week or two, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pure person, Only Panto only will heal that.
0: Panto at least will give you a nice like a nice kick in your step and stuff, but yeah, it must be weird being like so focused on a wedding and then suddenly it's like it's done and you're like, it's oh, done.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you know what it is though? Like we have, um, we're gonna go on one of those cruises next year, and we did that mm. purposely just so we had something to kind of look forward to. You know, that sort of way. Yeah. You married yourself, you are, aren't you? No, look, no, no, no ring. <laughs> no. Um. No, it's uh, it's not something. I ever thought I'd do, to be honest with you, ever, never. <laughs> and it happened, it happened by pure chance as well. I remember um, Brenda, by chance, was up in, we were in Fields, and she was like, oh, that's a lovely ring, isn't it? I was like, yeah, Jesus, that's lovely. So I went up, and I thought, Jesus, this ring is, God, it's pricey enough, but you know what, she's she's amazing, and she's great. And uh, I remember the lady saying behind me in, in Fields, and she was like, so um, tell us how are you going to do it? And I was like, how am I going to do what? <laughs> she was like, how are, you, how are you going to give her the ring? And I was like, I'm just going to give it to her at Christmas. She was like, are going to get down on one knee? And I was like, "Why is this an engagement ring? And then I, was, I went home and I spoke to my mom. My mom was like, ah, yeah, no, she's definitely the one. And then I kind of put a lot of thought into it as well. But I remember just even going up, we spent Christmas there, Christmas 21. And we had literally just shut down. I was doing Alan and Carl's panto then. We just got mm-hmm. shut down and it just seemed like, I was like, oh, I don't know. This isn't the right thing to do. Her dad hates me. He's going to say no. I'm going to ruin their whole Christmas. Like the audacity of like this Dublin lad to walk in to kill Cullen on like, our first Christmas together. And get down on one knee. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Just eating the Christmas dinner and stuff. And going outside. I'm pretty much puking my ring up. It was so just nerve-wracking. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not for everyone. But well, look, no. All jokes aside, we had a... We had a ball. We really did. It was brilliant.
0: And like, I know probably loads of people say, how is married life? Like, is it really different? Probably not that different, but is it? You tell me. I don't know.
1: It's really lovely, if I'm honest with you, to have a, I never thought I'd say this, but if I'm having a bad day or, oh God, you're looking at your bank account and you're like, oh Jesus, the finances and all this kind of stuff, mm. it's not happening. Or, you know, sometimes, and as an actor, it can be very, very lonely and you're kind of looking and you're. For a long, long time, we used to just wait around by the phone, waiting for the agent to call, and times have really, really changed. And sometimes, you know, it's nice if you're having a bad day to kind of look down and you're like, oh, well, do you know what? There's there's someone there for, please God, for life, you know, and it's lovely. And we're, we're, we're both very, very different people. Brenda pretty much runs a, a hair salon, Karen's hair salon in Dunlavin, and, you know, whether I'm a... Whether I'm dressed up in fights or shooting someone or kidnapping someone or going, yes, I am. Uh, where what we do is is very very different, and I think it kind of we complement each other. But I am, I'm, I'm very, I'm very much blessed, and it is. A, I suppose it's it's a lovely sort of Eric Donovan said it to me from Ultimate Hell Week, and he's like, you don't know until you're married, and it's really really lovely to look back, and you're like, this is sacred, and it is. It's like a, I suppose like almost like a trophy of two people, and just to to have is is brilliant. Now, don't get me wrong, we kill each other as well, but no, it's
0: That's over good on. to hear. For the single <laughs> people out there who are like, yeah.
1: oh my don't God. Don't do it. I've made the biggest mistake of my life. I have no money left. Don't do it. <laughs> she's here beside me with a gun. She's under the table. No. no, she's... uh, No, it's... We're very, very happy. It's great.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. No, it's good to hear, like, especially lads, you know, often just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, missus. It's nice to hear a lad gushing and quite happy where he is and content and, like, happy yeah. to talk about his missus.
1: Absolutely. I mean a lot of my friends are like that as well. I'll tell you what, Brenda's brother-in-law in particular, he Oh, are you still together at all? I still think the bet must be off. My God, I can't believe it. <laughs> and the second I got down, he's like, Yeah, big he big just You don't know what you've signed yourself up for. But no, I haven't uh, I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> three months in, you're still happy. Three months That's in, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do this interview again in three years. I was like, oh, Jesus, please <laughs> help me, will you? Please, Nicola. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, like, obviously I've known you a long time and you've got you've done some amazing things in your career, but I suppose I never really knew how you got into acting and stuff like that. Um, did you, when you were young, is this like watching stuff on the telly and want to do that or is this complete left field?
1: No, it was... Uh... If I'm honest with you, it was very much compulsory. I have uh, two sisters. Maureen's 11 years older than me. Susan's three years older than me. And the two of them did it. And they excelled in it, in in singing and dancing and drama. And I remember my uh, my mother sent me down to the road to a lady called Miss White based in Walkinstown, Mrs. White. And she would have done Irish dancing. And uh, I did my first ever dance lesson when I was, I think, about four. And I was taken out because I bit one of the students, one of the girls in it. Uh, I didn't want to be there and I couldn't understand why anyone would want to dance. And I got taken out and yeah, I bit some girl uh, when I was four. She must, I remember saying, I don't remember it. I don't remember it. I remember it so well. And uh, so I was taken away from the, yeah, no, you're not allowed to do that anymore. So then my mother sent me down to, to judo and judo was the thing that I sort of, I suppose, excelled in at a young age, but it was always... Drama, always drama, drama and judo and then singing lessons. And she had us in a local lady called Miss Mary Birchell in uh, Green Hills, Stone. And then uh, we went to singing lessons in Kylemore College in Ballyfermot. And that was like, my my father would have been very, oh, very strict with th- theory. We, need to, we needed to know our kind of music theory and stuff like that. And it just became a routine and there was days I just didn't, I really didn't want to do it. The speech and drama, it bored me. I don't want to do this. And then I suppose it was just something I always stuck at. And then there was like competition. She, my mother and father would always put us into like the Fesh Matthew and the Fesh Keol and Fesh Schliggy. And Bob loved them. Like my father used to drive all around the country. When I look at it now... Well, was it worth it? Yeah, of course. But like, you go in and you'd be like, God, driving all the way down to Sligo. And if you're lucky, you might be able to win this gold medal that's worth around, you know, four euro. Mm. And he's after spending about 50 quid on, on diesel. When I look at it, I was very, very blessed to have the the parents that I have. But no, it was very much, mine did it, Susan did it. So you're doing it as well. Didn't really excel in dancing at all. Didn't like it. And with uh, drama though, I think I really kind of found the benefit of it. Um, when, you know, I beat, I think I was about 10 and I got an advert for Aircon. Wow. And I, and I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And it was just like, wow, oh, geez, this is this is great. This is, this is paying really well and I'm only 10. This is brilliant. I'm walking around the scale like, I have 200 euros, you know, that kind of way. And then I think I really found the benefit of it when I was uh, kind of in secondary school when sometimes I used to switch off from... I just say the stress of school, or you know, I God, you get bullied. You would get bullied in an all boys school if you're doing acting. And particularly, I think mm-hmm. one of the first gigs that I had done was was 25 years ago with Alan Hughes and and Carl Broderick. And I was uh, coincidentally what we're doing this year to celebrate the 25 year anniversary show. It was Jack and the Beanstalk. Then it's Jack and the Beanstalk this Christmas. But I was playing. Uh, they had boys' own were massive at the time. Like boys' own were pretty much. I mean, they were huge. Everyone just loved Boys on, particularly no, the girls. And I know. We were... <laughs> Team Ronan. <laughs> really? Oh, Team yeah. Team Ronan. Well, yeah. I'll give you a laugh. You probably don't know this, but do you know who, do you know who Ronan Keaton was in the Boyzone tribute band set up by Alan Hughes and Carl Broderick? No. <laughs> it was Stephen Garrigan, who's now the lead singer of Coda Line. Hey. And, and you're looking at the Stephen Gately tribute. <laughs> Now, Nicola, this is like 1999, 1998, 1999, and the world wasn't as accepting as what it is now. And when you go in and you're an all-boys school, and they find out that you're playing Stephen Gately at a boys' own trivia band, <laughs> expect digs, expect absolutely, oh, it was, it was terrible. And... Don't get me wrong, I loved it because, we oh, number one, we got to get off school. I remember like it was yesterday, the atmosphere that was there. And I still have footage and I still have those programs. My mum and dad were great at, at keeping all those. But the atmosphere, oh, we had such a ball backstage. It was it was incredible. And, you know, when I'd see all the rest, of, I think it was in, it was either sixth class or first year. Sixth class. And I'd see all the rest of them that had to stay in for an extra two weeks and they'd all be looking at me going, you know, Oh, oh, Stephen Gately. Why are you off-skill? I was like, because I'm doing a gig. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> Gately's ought to do a panther right now. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, I th- I think I really found the benefits of acting when it gave me an opportunity to kind of escape, to be in the, the shoes, walk in the shoes of someone else. And, you know, and that's something that I say to my students this day and age as well. If something that's bugging you, or you might not have enough money for something, or you might not be invited to something, or you've got anxiety or you're constantly thinking of the future, All oh, this exam or, you know, the past constantly, it, it could be a loved one who died or something like that. To use that, and I do, I, sometimes I forget to do it myself, but to use that as a tool, you know, that, and, it's you know, to, to go into a drama class with other people who are also interested in it, not only to, because, Everyone in school, you might not get on with everyone. But to be in that same room and same industry where you have the same uh, interests as them and -hmm. you guys have the ability to create, you know, a fictional family or a fictional robbery or a pantomime or a musical. And then you go out and it's extremely therapeutic. And you know what I get? Like, I was very lucky. I was put into it at such a young age. But, you know, there's adult drama classes still around the country, which I teach. And I find... I find so many people come up to me afterwards or, you know, after the, the term has finished going, Oh, wow, I really love that. I used to think I had to go to the gym and, and run 5K or lift weights to do that or kick a ball or just, you know, get invested into a Disney Plus or a Netflix series. I was like, wow, I, I feel amazing. Sometimes I just love it. And sometimes, you know, whether I'm acting with people my own age, older or younger or kids, sometimes you can go on. Journey with that other person, and you—you know—the director says, and cut, whether it be in a, a a soap or whatever it is, or a gangland drama, and when you can go back to yourself, I, I just don't—I I don't think there's any anything better or more rewarding, to be honest with you. And that's where I really found the benefits of it, and that's, that's why I love it still to this day.
0: But wouldn't we all love a break from our own lives? In that way, I suppose you are getting one because, as you say, if there's any, if you're thinking about bills or whatever and like it's every day you're waking up, you're thinking about it, you know, you're working, you're thinking about it. Whereas if you have to be told you're playing someone completely different, you have to remember your lines, You remember where you're meant to be standing, yada, yada. Just like that. You're not that person anymore. You don't have to think about that problem that's been bugging you. It must be a great release.
1: It's great. It really is. And what I love about it is you know, if say you're around 14, 15 years of age and you want to join dancing all of a sudden, but you've never done a dance lesson in your life and you're mm. put with loads of 14-year-olds who've been dancing since they're three. There is a, you know, unless you've got this incredible, unique, raw talent, and so many people do, but a lot of the time it's going to be very difficult. Same with singing or same with football or same with mm. the, your boxing. Oh, there you go. You, whereas with drama, all you really have to do is just open that door in your head to go, yeah, I can do this. And look, a lot of people, you know, they struggle with learning lines. But in- improvisation, you know, everyone can do it. It's just about opening that door. It really is. Um, we did a project not so long ago. This was in 2022. And Kieran Kenny, who I know from, as you can see, I'm a massive Celtic supporter. And I know him from the Neve Project Celtic Supporters Club. And he would also do an awful lot of work for the Don Bosco Aftercare. And he'd also work for TUSLA. And he got us involved with a load of people who would have been brought up in aftercare. And pretty much what we had to do in like around eight weeks was set up, (laughs) I get anxiety thinking of it now, but pretty much what it's like a day in the life of someone in aftercare and for me to put on this production. Now, a lot of them couldn't, uh, a lot of them would have been dyslexic or a lot of them wouldn't have had the same upbringing as myself or yourself. And, you know, we met some of them and they had the most... Tragic stories. But for them to be able to to see them coming in from the very first class, and I always start off my drama classes, whatever, with a game called Topics. You know, I get everyone in a circle and I'll start off and I'll say, something that you can plug in. Someone will say a phone. Someone will say a toaster. If you can't think of something else, you sit down and I always reward whatever. And it doesn't matter, you know, well done, you won that. And It's like, it becomes fun. So pretty much it's proven that every single person can improvise. As soon as they did that, we did you know, we do adverts or then we did like little excerpts from, from plays or musicals or something. And I think it was that just for them, like what I'm saying, I'm backing it up that, you know, using whatever it is, whether you're being bullied or work, worrying about finance or something and using that towards your advantage. And the production that they put on was just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. We sold out the Ballyman axis in like seconds and it was just, it's incredible. And uh, it was brilliant. So, you know, it's not that thing of, What I'm saying is anyone can do it. You know, you look at someone like Barry Keown, who I've had the pleasure of working with twice as well. He never did an acting class in his life. He just has this incredible, natural, raw ability. And you only see it when you're working alongside him. It's just phenomenal. You can't really do that with dancing or you can't really do that with... You kind of know, you know. So I do think that there's something there for everyone. And we're lucky that we live in a, you know, a world now that everyone kind of wants to be an actor and they want to do that because it was very, very much... Unheard of when I was growing up. Definitely.
0: Were you the only one then in your school that would have been kind of going down that path?
1: Um yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um uh, I'm just trying to think in primary school, 100%. Mm-hmm. Secondary school, I went to school with uh, Paul, Paul Ryder, who oh, yeah. from Virgin Media, and he would do the, he's actually doing the, he was in it with us last year or two years ago, and he's a choreographer this year. We did Ultimate Hell Week as well together. And also a lad called Killian, uh O'Sullivan, who would have played Lorcan in, in Fair oh, City. Oh, yeah. So there was like, there was the, the three of us in the school, but it was very... Uh, the teachers would have a good go at you as well. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there's Johnny Ward down the back there. We'll see him in about six years when he's in shelves. and you, you, Little things like that. They would be like that.
0: That's annoying to me now because it wouldn't be like that now because they're... No, definitely not. Definitely not. No, my God, sorry. Not all of them. No, not of the course not. Not
1: the music teacher, not the English teacher, just one or two. Maybe subjects where I sucked in and I used to take the piss back in the class and they didn't like me. Maybe those kind of teachers and they were probably right.
0: No, but I think like I remember the, the mean things that certain teachers would say to me. And I can remember to this day and it's how many 20 years on, whatever years. And it's funny how like you'll remember that as well. You'll remember the thing that that person said. But in a way, maybe it's kind of a good driving force because you want to turn around and go, come here. Fuck you. Look what I've done.
1: <laughs> uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, but I am not talking about one absolute little spectacle as well. So, you know, what? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the teacher had a right to say things.
0: <laughs> oh, here's me stand up for you and it turns out you're an absolute Oh,
1: vampire. I don't know. Some of the stories, some of the stories they are just like, oh, can I? I I don't even know if I can tell you any of them. We'd probably get arrested.
0: <laughs> I don't know. What's the statute of limitations on
1: being a little a little fecker? <laughs> oh, I remember there was one like this just kind of, oh, I don't know. Can I say it? Is it weird? Can I say that? Mm, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Um well let's just say the best man at my wedding he told everyone like me and him were absolutely just batshit crazy it's not anything that was like English or music or religion or CSP it's was very interesting maths and science I would be trying to get kicked out of the class and I used to text him he's a year younger than me and we'd be texting each other to try and get kicked out of class to go on the Mitch probably shouldn't be saying this but one of those days we just saw the two lollipop women put their clothes in the or their their staff uniform whatever in the in the wardrobe. It's like, come on, come on. We went outside the school at Temple Oak College and started directing the traffic. And the <laughs> principal seed us he was like, We're still- you know, it's like, sorry sir, I'm in the middle of something here. You're gonna have to wait. It's just a <laughs> little thing like that. <laughs> okay. So there was no meanness behind it. That's the only one I'm allowed to tell you. All right. I promise you, Nicola. Be arrested. <laughs> yes. Alan and Carr will find out about it and they pretty sacked me from the panto. I'll tell you after panto, right?
0: Okay, after pantal season, we're getting all the scoop then. Definitely, Okay, definitely. well, in that case, we'll move over. And,
1: and my poor father would be spinning in his grave as well if he if I said some of the things as well. God love him.
0: <laughs> well, what happened then That when you left school? Because, like, I suppose having a dream like this in school is one thing, but then you get to sixth year and everyone's like, what are you going to do with your
1: life? Yeah, my parents were never like that. And that's oh, one cool. thing. They were always like, so I always said that if I ever got... And it was always very much, and it was a great... My principal, my principal in Templeogue College, he was he was amazing, and he supported. He used to come see the the plays that I'd be doing, and you know what, I'd be put. Yeah, there'd be pantos at Christmas, but some like when I was in second year, I was in the Samuel Beckett Centre doing a Shakespeare play with like the likes of Dennis Conway, Richard the Third, that won an Irish Times Award, things like that. It was brilliant, and I had incredible opportunities. And then a gig came up, and the gig was Fair City, and I was doing my leaving cert. And the gig came in, the agent rang me and she said, um, listen, they want you to audition for the role of Kurt Whelan. And Kurt Whelan's going to be in it for just under a year. And he's going to play. He's a footballer and he plays for Man United. Would you be interested? And I was like, when is it? (laughs) They said, April, you're leaving third to May. I was like, yes. (laughs) So uh, I did it. And uh, then after that, uh, after that year, I moved over to Salou. Uh, for three months where I was like this kind of club rep children's entertainer for about uh, three months. And then I went back to Pierce College in uh and did a repeat leave insert in the first place. It was always, you know, the priority was always if a job comes up, you know, that's that's your first thing. And I was very lucky with my parents like that because a lot of the time I have met people who are a lot my God, much better actors than me. And we went to drama school and stuff like that. But it was very much, no, go to college and get your, you know, your security, your degree, whatever it is, three or four years. And then they get it and they do it and they, they can't really go back to drama and things, you know? Yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm not saying, oh, you know, I was the lucky one or anything like that. I do get that, but my parents were all very much for, no, you know, this is it when there was a role I had of Gavros and Les Miserables with Colin Wilkinson, this is like 1998, and I was only 11, and my mother, she doesn't drive, and my father was working at the time. Every She wasn't well at the time either, and every single day, we asked, oh, God, we used to get the, the 27 bus in, walk all the way down the Point Depot. She used to wait for me doing the shows, and the shows, by the time I was there, it was about four hours, and she'd just wait backstage, wait for me, and get the bus all the way back. So, you know, that was it wasn't as if it just happened all of a sudden. They, they wanted that. And then, yeah, then after, after that, it's the waiting game. And you do, you wait for a long, long time. And like, when you think about that, that's 2006, I think I'm thinking. And, you know, there's a lot of the time you can be teaching. A lot of the time you can be waiting for a long, long time. You know, you're just sitting as an actor waiting by the phone and you're waiting for the agent to ring. And it's so different now because back then it used to be like, listen, Johnny, there's an audition next Thursday. Um, And, you know, this... Is in Thursday tomorrow? No, Thursday week. Loads of time. Brilliant. I'll send you on that email. You can learn off the part, and then you'd have to travel into various different places. So the places that you usually go to was a place called the Courtyard Studio in Irish Town. This big blue door, and that's where a lot of the adverts and stuff like that. And uh, then there was another one called the Factory. The Factory on Barrow Street. You go in there, um, and then there was the Grand Central Hotel on Exchequer Street. It was the same venues over and over again. Mm. But then. You'd have this time, you'd learn it completely off by heart. You'd walk in, you'd meet the cast and director. If you got a recall, then you'd meet the, you know, the the producers and the director, all that kind of stuff. It's not like that anymore. Since lockdown, now it's just like, everything has to be so, right, there's a, there's a self-tape in, it has to be in tonight. And you have to sell tape it. And it's so, it can be so difficult because you're not reading alongside someone who's there reading along all day. No, sometimes in my situation, I have to get my wife to do it or my mother to do it. Or when they're not around, geez, I've been desperate in the past and just getting passerby's around walking. So I get. sorry, have you got 10 minutes? Can you pretend to be Humpty Dumpty? And they're like, what the hell? <laughs> so it is, it's, it is it's, it's a lot more difficult, I think. Um,
0: yeah. And I think you can come across better sometimes on a tape or worse than you can in person, depending on your personality. Like you could be brilliant on tape and then they get you in the studio and you're like, um, I don't know what to do. You
1: know, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. And so many times like they look, I don't know. I just really do miss how it used to be. Ironically, you and me are having this conversation <laughs> online, but that's just the way the world has gone. You know, that kind yeah. of way. Uh, but I do I do definitely miss that. And then look, as I was saying, there was a lot of just waiting by the phone and doing sort of short films, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I remember going off to this thing. It's called the World Championships of Performing Arts. And I just thought, oh, this is where this is where people make money mm. from. This is where people can actually make money from this. And I've never seen Kids, teenagers being exploited more my whole entire life. And it's like, right, it's the Olympic Games of Performing Arts and you're a representative in Ireland. You go in and listen, you have to backpack and it costs only four and a half grand to enter. And they do this thing where it's like one minute. And you get up for one minute. You can't really show what you can do in one minute. Oh. So you get, you can be the best modeler, a, a modeler, a, model, a dancer, a singer, an actor. And they put it all together. And for a long time, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. I really don't. And then after that, I did my first proper kind of film. The first film I did was when I was eight called The Boy from Mercury, which was great crack. Loads and loads of fun doing that. But my first sort of main lead was in 2010 uh, in a film called Dollhouse, which was directed. Well, it was filmed in Jim Sheridan's house. Have you seen it?
0: Wow, no, I've never seen it. I'm like, I must watch it. Jim Sheridan's it's, house.
1: It's literally six of us, and all we do is destroy Jim Sheridan's house from the second we get in to the <laughs> second we get out. It's a, it's a brilliant cast. Jack Rayner is in it as well, who went on to do uh, much bigger and better things. He was in Transformers, he's in a new TV series now on Disney Plus. Um, Shauna Kerslake as well is in it. Uh, we had a we had a fantastic it was just a brilliant, brilliant experience.
0: Hmm. And
1: what I loved about it was we had no idea where these characters are gone. So Kirsten, the director, Jim's daughter, he, she would meet us. Now she just finished doing a film with uh, Freddie Highmore and Robin Williams of all people, the August Rush film. And I was like, this is, this is gonna be big. This is gonna be class. And she just said, listen, you've no script to learn. She really did character building with us for about five to six weeks. We all lived together. And on the first night she was like, okay, you're going to break into this house. So we break into this house and then they cut. And we're like, what's happening now? And then they do little things like I wanted to have an argument with him, or I would have an argument. And then there was a big massive food fight. And then before I know it, like, We were smashing windows pretty much without ruining it. It's like six friends that go into this house and one of them is not being very faithful to the rest of the group. And we find out all these secrets and stuff. But there's loads of drugs in it. There's loads of sex in it. There's loads of bloody booze. and It was like six weeks of... Ups and downs, but something I'd never experienced before, and uh, just an amazing, amazing experience. And then, like I say, it's the look of the draw. You get a sitting by the phone call. I always have teaching, and teaching is my passion. I say acting is is to a certain extent. I love seeing kids coming in September. They're shy. They're looking over their shoulder. You know, there could be something going on at home or they might not be the most popular kid in school. But as soon as they see that canvas that they're kind of welcome on, oh, wow! you know, someone else is gray I'm not the only one. And they can actually use that gray color towards their advantage and actually uh, be a vital piece in that overall jigsaw or puzzle that they're going to create. I love that. And I love seeing them into the characters that they can develop in June, by June. And then they become the role models for the next year as kids who are coming in all sort of anxious by September. And I think it's really, really important. But going back to that, after that had finished, I had done this tour called The Beauty Queen of Lanon, which was on in, it was Ireland. It was I'll still, I remember it so well. It was in the Gaiety and then Cork, down in Cork. And then we went to Bath, Cambridge, Malvern, and then London. But it started in March and it didn't finish until September. And I hated it. I hated every single <laughs> second oh. of it. I couldn't wait to get out. It was like a prison sentence from the word go. It was, I think it was 22 at the time. There was Dervla LaCrotty and Frank Laverty, who are incredible actors, and Rosalind the legend herself as well. She would have been in her 70s. They all kind of lived in London. So by the time they got to London, it was just me on my own. And it's very, very easy to just go home and like, I think... I think I'm actually going to become an alcoholic because there's nothing else to do around here. Uh, thankfully I didn't and I brought my mother over and she loves London and she lived there for a long, long time but see how easy it can happen. And then it's back to teaching again, doing nothing and then you get a phone call from Morning News, casting director asking you to come in.
0: <laughs> Tell me, why did you hate being on the road for that play?
1: I don't know what it was. There was it was just very, very, and I'd never experienced it before. Like I loved Dollhouse, and I loved everything else that I'd ever done before, and uh, it was just the first time that I've ever experienced. And I was like, "Oh, I'm not enjoying this." And I think it was just a, the a pure isolation. I think it was just the first kind of realization as well of, "All oh, right, if you want to be an actor, this is what it takes." Sometimes, and uh, it was just very long, really, really long, Nicola, and uh, I felt oh the cast were lovely the director I I don't know me and him just didn't really see eye to eye and there was always just little things to remember and I was like god I should be enjoying this I'm in the Gaiety Theatre I'm in the Everyman down in Cork and then in Bath Cambridge Malvern and London for so so long and it would just be little things like two months on the run and you'd think you'd know your stuff by there and it'd be like you know they'd call out all the rest of the people like okay so it's half hour call and Johnny Ward half ten in the morning like half ten in the morning what does she want me to do at half ten in the morning? And it was just like, I don't know. I just, I just didn't really like it. Every time the director had left, then I started going, "Oh, this is brilliant." But no, um, that was just one particular production. It wasn't. It wasn't pleasant, and uh, I just I missed. I missed Dublin so much, and I miss my teaching. and I miss my friends, and I miss the other opportunities, and it was just very, very long. But then, if, and then when it finished in September twenty, I think it was two thousand eleven. I thought, I'm not. That's it. Just didn't want to do it again. And then I got a, a phone call to do a audition for Maureen News in uh, the factory. And I kept they kept sending me in for this part, Stephen. Oh, we'd be very good at Stephen. I was like, Is this much? Of it? I don't even know. I haven't read the script. Is this any good? <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. We just want to see Johnny again for the role of Stephen. And I was like, at this script. Like, Stephen has about three scenes in it. Like, can you not just kill it? Like, it's fine. What are we doing different? And then the director, I was very ignorant at the time, but the director, who's uh, like an award-winning director called Paolo Sarantino, uh said, uh, this is very good, but how would you feel doing this scene? Because it was a big scene. It was a five-minute scene. How would you feel doing this scene with uh, Sean Penn? And I said, uh, "Sean, Sh- Sean Penn," and he said, uh, "Yes. How would you feel? Would you still be as confident?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> the Sean Penn, like, was one of my oh, still is. Carlito's Way is one of my favorite films of all time. Al Pacino and Sean Penn, and my God, twenty one grams and everything. I was just thinking, well, wow. and he, you know, the thing is, Sean Penn was Madonna, all oh, mm. my head. and he's just such a you know an icon as well, and. I said, yeah, yeah. So things went my way, which was Berlin. And I got to be in this film called This Must Be The Place and pretty much got to share, you know, a couple of days with such an incredible cast. You know, it was Sean Penn and Frances McDormand. I got to do a scene with her. Both of them were Oscar winners. The loveliest people, Eve Hewson, sharing a taxi with her each day going into set. This is Bono's daughter and she's, mm-hmm. You know, what's the thing that she was in not so long ago the hazel eyes thing or whatever. Oh you know, God, behind her eyes. Behind her eyes, hazel yeah. eyes. You hear me quote Kelly Clarkson <laughs> behind her hazel eyes. Uh, but no, it was, it was unbelievable. An absolutely incredible experience. But then it's, you do something like that, Nicola, and then it's, then you're back to square one again.
0: Yeah. And oh, it's that like, high and low must be incredible because like you think the phone's going to constantly be ringing because I've just done this film with John Penn and then you go home and you're like, Okay, well, I'm teaching for a week,
1: and no one's yeah, I or or something like that, and then you you start kind of doubting yourself. Going, why oh, shouldn't be doing this? You know, like mm. something like, oh, we need you to dress up as a medieval clown outside Drumna Castle to welcome the the punters in, and it's like, yeah, well, look, that's actor job, But then you, 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 your mind plays tricks with you, going, you can't be doing that when you're after doing this, and then you're like, oh, what else am I going to do? So it is a very be very really difficult, and then. From then it was straight into the the Gaiety Panto, something that I'd I'd never done the Gaiety Panto before, and it was something I wanted to do. and it was Buttons, and then I was very lucky to do a couple of the pantos from there. And then it was, I suppose, the year afterwards was the Centre, and then of course it was the the big break with with Love, Hate.
0: And do you count that as your big break, despite the fact that you've done the stuff with Sean Penn, you've been on in so many like La Miserable and plays? But do you think Love, Hate now is your big was your big break?
1: It's still the thing where people will stop me and not not stop me for, I, I didn't like you in Fair City, you're an old devil. <laughs> but they will have a, a chat and a full on kind of 15, 20 minute conversation sometimes about just how much they loved it, how much it become uh, has become such like a, a kind of cult classic, like up there with Father Ted or something, you know, and the fact that it was, I, think, I do think it's the first time RTE really took risks and it was just, I can't really remember Ever a time in my life where the whole country would go into lockdown and watch Love Hate, and everyone just loved it. And I suppose the only people that weren't really watching it were people like myself because I was, I'd sour grapes from not getting a part of the previous season.
0: Oh, no, who were you <laughs> <I'm laughs> waiting um, for?
1: Oh, uh, the first one would have been Tommy for the first season, and then season two, tried out for Fran, and then. Didn't get a thing for season three. And then it was like season five. And as soon as I said, he's half Hispanic and also he drives a motorbike. I was like, ah, come on. Because I ride a motorbike and I don't know. It's just like, I really want to go for this. And I just, I remember again, going into the the factory and just doing the audition and going back in and meeting the producers and who I'd met from beforehand. And I remember David Coffrey, he's the director and he was just, I knew he really wanted me to play it, but there was just something something not really working and maybe it wasn't you know to go my way with the previous seasons but as soon as I got that call it was great oh my god don't get me wrong I was absolutely buzzing but on the the other side of the coin there's five seasons they've already had four seasons of a really, really well-known talked about show that the whole country is watching. Even people that wouldn't really, you know, be into that kind of program, they were all watching it because it, it's just something that everyone did. And on a Monday morning at work, people weren't talking about, oh, do you see, you know, Man United versus Man City of the Week? They were all talking about love-hate. Mm. So to be the only new character in season five, that was really daunting. <laughs> and, you know, sitting there at the table and you know with Tom Vaughn Lawler yeah. who's like, hi, oh, how's it going? It's such a pleasure to meet you. And then he just turns it on. I'm going to talk to Polly now, all right? It's just like, wow, this guy's incredible. And then you're talking about what he did the weekend and he's like, oh, I just went for a quite stroll on the beach with the dogs and then we just do it again. He's back into it. He's just, it's so much to take in. And then, you know, pretty much people who have made this part their own, like Elmo, like Fran, like, you know, Tommy, like Siobhan, and then just seeing them. And, you know, I met one or two of them before from previous productions that we worked on, but they were the reason, the combination of them and their incredible ability of how to act like that. Ian Lloyd-Anderson, another one, absolutely amazing. Um, And the writing, Stuart Carolyn used to be, ex-journalist writing about real things mm-hmm. uh, and the direction of David Caffrey to be the only new person in that team. Yeah, really, really, really daunting. Really daunting. I remember the very first... I remember Ireland had just won the Six Nations. It was March 2014. And I remember going in and I was confident. I, was like, I knew my lines was fine. But that was a whole other... I don't know what it was. That was a whole other... It was just... I found it very difficult to get into this new routine of, I don't know what it was. There was a there was a den there that was created by these big, big, massive, I suppose, in the country, stars.
0: Mm. And it
1: was very, very difficult to kind of just go into that. And it de- definitely cook, took a couple of weeks. And then I just started being really hard on myself and I was coming home and going, right, okay. Just going over the scene over and over again. There was no switch off. Um... And I can, I can be my own worst kind of critic and I'd lock myself away in my attic as weird as it sounds and just constantly, constantly go over the scene and think, how can I improve it? And then I put it on, you know, a dictaphone, or phone and just constantly play that scene over and over again in my head. So it would be there. And so, so much so I leave the scene on repeat, the ones that I'd be most anxious about. And I'd dream with the thing playing at the same time. And what, you know, what. What would be going through the character's head? What move could he do there? How could he do this sort of look here? Just to improve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was just really, I found myself very much out of my comfort zone. But I had, look, I'm talking about the negative stuff. It was incredible. It was absolutely brilliant. We had such a ball with it. And I count myself very, very lucky until Siobhan the bitch pushed me off the balcony.
0: I just could to say, so Siobhan was like, get out. And- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Siobhan, yeah. How do you know I was at the zoo? Um but it was I and mean, it is like all those other stuff as well. You know, I don't get me wrong, I was very, very lucky with the dollhouse thing and Sean Penn and Les Mis and your beauty queen of it and all. But that was there was a there was a time in my life and I just you couldn't you couldn't walk down the street without two or three people stopping it. And it was just such a oh my god this is mental this is mental it was it was crazy like I'll never forget it. and it was like myself John Connors and Connor McGregor and Elmo uh, Lawrence Kinlan we all did this New Year's thing and it was just mental I just never thought I'd ever be able to experience that do you know that kind of way it was just yes, that was, was like
0: fame at its highest oh, in Ireland amazing. at the time yeah just
1: super and it was like wow and then just Loads more opportunities opened up and then it was, but it, it's back to square one then. You're like, right, what do we do now? And then it was mm-hmm. like, well, Peter Pan, are lo- they're looking for someone to play Peter Pan in The Gaiety. <laughs> my agent was like, I think you should do it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Can I go from being a gangster who's pushed off a battle? Like, why not? Show your versatility. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's what is being a part of an actor. And there is this thing, particularly in Ireland, and it does my nut in. It really, really does my head in. And it's these actors and they're like, no, no, it's, you, you know, Every single role is a gangster. I'm going to play a gangster in every single every single role. And I just think no. And as I say to my students, I say to myself as well, it's a roundabout. Take a different exit on the roundabout. Don't just do the same thing over and over again. Do yeah. your pantos. Do your musical. Do your adverts. Do the comp parts. Do the weird parts. Do the you know your your gangster parts. Do the kidnapper parts. Try and do as much as possible. And that's that's what I've always kind of thought. You know, is the the purpose of an actor to be as much as, as possible. Yeah. You know, so. Did Peter Pan in the Gaiety Learned how to fly, which is great crack? Great. Right. So, uh, we Siobhan, could have done with that when Siobhan pushed you off the. Just uh, about the same. Yeah, uh, it was a bit too little, too late. And then uh, after that, you get a phone call, and it's from Ali Coffee, one of the best uh, casting directors in the country, and she says that um, she wants you to go in and read this new Neanderthal drama. And I'll never forget it. I went in extremely hungover from the last night of Peter Pan, and uh, I just remember not reading the scripts. I said, like, oh, brilliant. What's this? Some Neanderthal drama. And I looked at it and about two weeks later, I got a phone call saying, listen, we really like the way uh, you played it. So, so he, like, so natural. And you didn't do it like uh, a caveman. And I was like, oh shit, was I supposed to read this like a caveman? And then I looked at her, I was like, oh shit, they're all Neanderthals. And then she said, uh, we want you to do a conference phone call tomorrow with, um, Pierre Morel, who's the director of Taken and Ron Howard. And I was like, oh my God, what the, Ron Howard, like the director, like from Happy Days, the director of Grinch, Apollo 13. Oh my God, a Rush. And I was like, right, okay. Um, and also there's a lady called Linda. Uh, she's going to be on it. A lady called Linda? I Googled her. It's Linda Wolverton and she's the creator of The Lion King and wrote the screenplay of Maleficent, right? So they're going, I haven't a clue. Full on panic attack. Go on in, saying to my dad, I haven't a clue what I'm doing. They think, it was like, just do what you did in the audition. I said, I didn't read the fucking script. They think, <laughs> See, everyone else apparently went in going, mmm, hello and all. And I just went in <laughs> with <a> double <laughs> accent. God, what's going on? You know, anyway. Yeah, hungover. <laughs> uh, you're like, uh Anyway, so um things worked out, and I ended up getting this role called Brout. Uh in, in the 80s, there was a really well known novel called The Clan of the Cave Bear by Gene M. L. And they actually made a film um of it, and Daryl Hannah was in it. Do you remember the mermaid from Splash? Mm-hmm. And like she plays Ayla in it. And pretty much what it's about is a Crow Magnum girl who is slightly more advanced than these Neanderthals and pretty much her struggle. Now, if I'm honest with you, when I th- heard this story, I was like, is this going to work? And then I saw the people that we were working with. Oh, Nicola, hands down the best thing I've ever done in my whole entire life. It was incredible. They flew us off to South Africa in the year 2015. Uh, Charlie McKenna was involved, Aidan McCardle, Halasan Halasan from like Dawson's Creek, uh, Millie Brady. And... When You're looking, you're going, and you see the budget. They put something like 34 million dollars into this pilot. And I was just, I said, This is not that it was easy, but like, it, if we were, you know, literally for a month, we were walking around a rugby club in the middle of South Africa, trying to, you know, walk around like um, Neanderthals. And the lady, Beth, who was teaching us how to walk, she worked for EA Sports. So she would get all the kind of movement for the games like FIFA and stuff. It was just surreal. And then we'd go out and Sean Penn was staying in our hotel and it was class because he remembered me from like the three years beforehand. He was like, hey, John, you having?" are I was like, this is, this is incredible. This uh, pinched myself so many times. Put us up in this most amazing hotel, the Mount Nelson. I made incredible friends in uh, South Africa. And then the whole thing completely flopped. And you're working with Ron Howard every single day. Pierre Morel, Linda Wolverton. My, oh, by the way, she also wrote <laughs> my favorite film of all time, *Homer Bound*. Do you ever, do you remember that with the animals, Michael J. Fox? That's
0: your favorite film. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: You're going back to that Beauty Peter Lland thing There's like in a program it's like your favorite film and ever, all the rest of the cast were like Gone with the Wind The Godfather Johnny Ward yeah. Hubbard uh, and, <laughs> but I asked her so much about it and you know, it just just amazing to be able to have these conversations I love that film I think she thought I was taking the, the piss a tiny but it was like no 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 I love that film it's brilliant she goes oh well you remind me so much of Chance you know the bulldog I was like wow it's the biggest compliment I've ever got and she said I reminded her of a bulldog by Michael J. Fox. <laughs> it was weird. I don't know. It's just like that childhood memory and the nostalgia of just staying in. you remember getting a VHS and going up and getting the same video over and over again. I just know that from the word go. My name is Chance. I know it's not much of a name, but most names are. If you don't. I just remember it so, so yeah. much. I've heard so. It. I was like, wow, brilliant. But anyway, working with all these people, uh, Sasha Bone Cone is in our hotel Charlie's Theron, it uh, what's the other Javier Bardem, they're all working on these projects in South Africa because it apparently it costs nothing to do it there, and then we're waiting back and then the phone call in November came and I was like, unfortunately it's it's uh, they've said no the people in lifetime uh, someone had passed away that's where the interest was now we had signed potentially contracts of the year twenty twenty would have been five years work then again. <laughs> you're back to the square wall. Oh. It's just like, brilliant. Medieval clown down in Dremna Castle tomorrow. It's just, and you know, oh. But then again, what I always have and what always keeps me grounded is the teaching, and I love it. So I went back to that, and then a phone call came in from, from Fair City. I was like, I can't I can't go back to Fair City. I've already played someone in that. I was like, yeah, no, it's someone different. So I was just like, hey, I won't say anything. Um, Why and- never,
0: I always find this so weird because like I watch my, one of my favourite shows is Law and Order SVU right I have watched all 24 seasons I know every single bit character has been in it and I've seen I was watching an episode last night I was like this guy played a rapist about two seasons ago and now he's a lawyer but he's a different fella and they don't <laughs> think they were going to remember oh, No, know
1: oh, I know but I didn't yeah, know you'd no, been it in is. it before when before you played Kieran four times it's different parts yeah the first John. time I was 16 I was a youth getting uh, whiskey from the bar with Carol and Bella and then the second time I was a lad called Breener who was this bully bully and some lad who kept, uh, he kept the storyline he kept pissing himself and he was in a, a cult I just remember that my friend actually was very bully <laughs> and I was bullying bully and then the time after that was in a band in a band called Lost and Sound and we had won this competition uh, in Vicar Street and they asked us will we go on to Fair City we did it and I just said nothing and then this time I was like look that's three parts I'm not clearly not going back again so but that was 2005 and this was what was that yeah 11 years afterwards 20 oh 12 2016 2017 and that's when I met up with with Bridgie the course, and she was like so um your character is a mechanic and I was like oh brilliant great um and he's going to have a big uh secret and I said okay I said, what is the secret? She goes, I'm not going to tell you that yet. Was I was <laughs> like, so then I found out. Now, look, when I was growing up as a kid, I used to hang around with a girl, Amelia Stewart, and she played by Chance Katie. And we were very good friends. So to to know, to, to get that storyline, I think originally it was supposed to be something like three or four months and they kind of stretched out to a year and a half. And that poor girl was stuck in that box for most of her life. And uh, But, you know, what? we had we had such a ball doing that. Like we really did. Uh and people that didn't even watch Fair City, because you always get that. No, oh, don't watch myself. The Mrs. Has It On, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And it was like, But they'll tell you the full storyline and stuff. Um, but yeah, now to be able to do that, I was very, very, uh, very blessed and very, very lucky. And it was just uh, something that I go back to in a heartbeat. I really do miss it. I'm just annoyed that the the character did so many crimes. Like he just kept on kidnapping people. And then I was told he was dead. <laughs> Or he I don't know what happens. Katie stabbed me because I tried to kill her brother or something. And then you fell into the water, didn't you, or something? Yeah, I fell into the water, that's right. Yeah. And then I thought I was done. And then in the midst of that, it was uh it's back to square one again. It's, it is very up, down, up, down, back to teaching again, and then there was nothing for a while, and then it was the the copper jacks, the the musical. So when a phone call came in for for that and uh Again, that's one of the best things I've ever done. I, I just loved it. It was one of my favorite roles ever to play on paper when you hear of, you know, oh God, they're making musicals out of everything and Mamma Mia and Your Queen and, you know, the madness one. And it was like, oh, they're making a musical out of Copperface Jacks. Where's this going to go? Read the script, couldn't put it down. Absolutely hilarious. Paul Howard is just a genius. I've always been such a fan of his work. I remember seeing his, not only reading two of his books, the novels, but the Breaking Dad one in The Gaiety. Roy Nolan was just phenomenal, and I could—I just remember being there in the half and going into the bar, and my sides were in bits just from laughing. And I thought, "Oh, I'd love, I love, I'd do that thing." Did you ever read that? You know the the secret book. Did you hear that? I remember I did that thing, and I was like. I love let, let that happen let me work with this writer please I did this little tennis ball thing threw it up to the universe and hopefully it'll come back down and literally about a year and a half afterwards the audition came in I remember meeting Paul in the lift going up towards the audition when we actually used to meet people in auditions <laughs> and uh, it was brilliant I couldn't put the script down When in off book not by choice I just loved it and that was one of the best. That was one of the best things. And to, to bring it back, you know, three years, obviously we did it 2018, 2019, and then lockdown happened. But to bring it back in the summer and to tour it, you know, not only in Dublin, but to, to Limerick and and Cork was was just phenomenal. It was great. Yeah.
0: You have so, to bring it to the cold cheese because uh, Copper's is full of the cold cheese. So oh like...
1: no, no, definitely, definitely. And it's just, I think I didn't really realise how much of a, you know, an institution Copperface Jocks was or you know still is. That's because um, you're in
0: Dublin. You just don't get it. We we get it us
1: outsiders. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I, I, I remember when we were advertising and it was myself and Paul and we were on the, the Ray Darcy show and there was people in the audience who heard about Coppers the musical and they were saying that they got engaged there. So people, There was a woman who had a tattoo of copper face and her husband had jacks on his other shoulder. like, And I was like, oh, what? Christ. Mad. And everyone loves the place and everyone has a copper story. And it was just like, you know, as Paul, write, Paul uh, Howard's writing says, one of the lyrics is, "Where are coaches go to flirt in inter-county shirts. And so true. And just the story. Did you see it? Did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, I've seen it
0: twice. I saw ah, it the brilliant. original time when it came out uh, 2018. And then I saw it when it came back there last year.
1: Class. No, I, it is. It.
0: I love Gino. I remember being like, Jesus, Gino's my type because he's an absolute bastard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now listen, if that's your type of man, like, yeah, you, you, you need to have a serious sit down
0: Don't worry, I've been sitting down ever since. I
1: <laughs> no, I know I've got that though as well. I get it because he's not, you know, he's not the full. He's not, you know, he's not really. I'm trying to make excuses for him. He's an absolute prick of a man with about forty-two kids and forty-two different women. I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah. and he wears some serious white trousers in it. Serious like,
1: tight white trousers. Yeah, yeah. I recall
0: yeah. that part being yeah. like Jesus, being old, putting them on.
1: Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now listen. One of one of the one of the best things I've ever I've ever done, and it was just such a brilliant brilliant bunch of people to work work with, and uh, it was great, and just for, for to come kind of come back mm. uh, over and over again, which which was brilliant. And then I didn't know it. And it was, that's how the Dancing with the Stars thing, but Larry Bass from, from Shinowil, he was in one night and someone had suggested, what what about him? You know, because there's a bit of sort of movement in coppers, nothing of the line of what Dancing with the Stars was, but a bit of movement and, uh, you know, I'd obviously seen him in RTE now and again as well. And it was just brilliant. I mean, dance with the stars again. That was the next thing. And that was something that oh Jesus, it was great. I just I always count myself so lucky because it just finished. And then it was that, you know, the lockdown and all that kind of stuff as well. And then it was just kind of again <laughs> back to square one where you're doing nothing and twiddling your thumbs, going, Oh, what am I gonna do? were the days of just like random DPD vans constantly outside because yep. you bought boss- uh, a toe warmer for your kettle.
0: <laughs> or you're buying 20 costumes for your dog and they're like, they don't even wear them. And you're like, but but it's, I saw it on Instagram.
1: It's just... Uh, is there a part of you that misses it? Can I ask? Yes,
0: yeah,
1: definitely. it's weird, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I miss sometimes... Well, first of all, I saved so much more money because I did my stage of the DPD vans and then after a while, you're like, no one sees me. I live in tracksuits and jumpers. What's the point? Mm. And then you just... I know, it just seemed a little bit more simple. Like when you actually met up with people or if you did Zooms or whatever, you spent a lot more time actually talking to them. And
1: yeah.
0: whereas, like when everything reopens, it's just gone back to normal. And like your friends who were your, were your real friends who'd contacted you during lockdown, do you know what I mean? Now mm-hmm. you're just, you could be just going out with the gang, any gang to go to, for pints or whatever. So I just thought yeah. it was, there was those good and bads, but I definitely do miss parts of it.
1: I do as well. And there's, there's little things like, I know this is obviously set up on, on Zoom, but that's not a word of a lie, what I said earlier on. There's the the pure anxiety that the words house party and Zoom give me. Uh, is just, oh, oh God, is this, I don't know.
0: I remember house party and anyone could join the room and that was yeah. the freakiest shit. Yeah, like you just come so with your friends and then somebody drunk in another country is like, what? And you're like, oh God.
1: Yeah, it's how I met Brenda, actually. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, there is definitely parts of it that I I, I kind of miss as well. Mm. I don't know. I think it kind of gave a, a a learning curve that you actually do have a lot of time. I think when you're back into your usual work routine, you always kind of make excuses saying, I oh, can't do that because I've got this on. Mm. When there was actually, when it was all taken away from you, you read, really, I don't know, I got like into reading and, and meditation and, and all that kind of stuff and was petrified of the news started revisiting songs that I'd written as like a, a kid and all that kind of stuff and I was like oh this is yeah this is cool and I had an awful lot of time by myself uh, which I really really enjoyed at the time as well because I didn't think I, I would be I'm always one of these people that oh I need to be with someone and stuff like that but uh, no it was it was great I, I kind of miss it
0: and it made you look I suppose at acting probably in a different way as well
1: yeah 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 not really no
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean more your career not the actual job like
1: absolutely got- yeah no definitely definitely I just it was I mean the fact that there was nothing
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean there was nothing and uh then we we tried and we all made these sort of actors unions to put plays on and zoom to keep us entertained and I was like what the just watch the telly. I don't know. It was, I get it. And for a lot of people really, really struggled as well. And that's one thing I will say that year when they were bringing everything, because it kind of happened in March, April, May, June, July, August, September, like there was nothing, nothing. And then I remember, um, Carl, uh, Broderick contacted me and he was saying that they're doing Panto. I was like, how are you doing a Panto this year? And, uh, he said, We're doing Peter Pan and we'd actually we'd love you to be involved. And it was him and Alan. And I hadn't worked for them in such a long time, but I always had really, really in, like brilliant experience and brilliant like childhood memories. And it was so strange going from this eleven year old as Stephen Gately in a boys on tribute band <laughs> to play <laughs> to playing Captain Hulk. And I was like, God, I'm getting it all now. But they had such a brilliant idea. Whereas with all the rest of the Panthers that tried to go on and they were shut down and then some of them were on and then they just didn't have it, they filmed it. And I thought it was such a genius idea. Loads of them did this, this kind of Zoom thing and you could click in or whatever the way we've met there and you put in your passcode and, you know, parents or families or whatever, they pay the amount of money and then they could display it or Croncast on the screen. Well, Alan and Carl and the Panther production did, they put it on a Malahy Castle. And I just still think to this day, and they had a, a car driving. I just thought it was such a genius idea. And uh it still got, you know, because I suppose for me, I don't know about you, Nicola, but like for Chris Christmas for me as a kid, it was always about it's not really officially Christmas until you you went to the ponto, you know, the kind of way and the oh, it's the build up for it and stuff. And we always used to go Stevens Day and for for them to give, you know, families still the opportunity to get out and do that. It's amazing. It's absolutely brilliant. Really, well, really excited. What role are you
0: playing this year then?
1: Oh, the body again. I always and play the body. Ah, <laughs> oh, the body again. Um, I'm playing a role I've never played before, which I'm really excited about. The evil Baron. And uh, oh, we've some cast. You know, um, so you know Alan Hughes, of course, Sammy mm-hmm. Sausages, And then we've got the funniest dame in the country, Rob Murphy. He's absolutely hilarious. He returns as Buffy. Um, we've got none other than Una Healy from the Saturdays. Which Mary is Glam. Just, yeah, absolutely amazing. And she's just do you know what she's such a lovely person as well. She uh she was in to see coppers once or twice. And I remember herself and Brian Dowell in the interview to some of the six o'clock show. And she's just a really, really sound person to be around. So delighted that she's in it as well. And then we got Connor Clear from Virgin Media, Megan Mar as Jill, and uh, once again it's gonna be uh choreographed by Paul Writer. We went to school with by mm-hmm. pure chance, and uh Belinda Murphy is going to be uh directing it, and it starts on the 12th of December. It's on in the National Stadium, which is somewhere that when I went into first, I was like, wow, is this going to work? Oh, my God, it's such a great... Have you seen any of the pandas there yet? Not there, no. It's such a great... It's like an arena, mm. and the audience are just on top of you. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, so we're there from the 12th of December to the 7th of January, and uh, yeah, like I say, it's, it's just... It, Bit of a personal thing for me, it was 25 years ago since I did Jack and the Beanstalk with with Alan Hughes and, and Carl Broderick, who are the longest. Alan's the longest uh running panto actor in the country, so there you go, apparently, yeah. And same as Carl being the longest uh panto writer as well. And for me to return, I don't know, it might get like a little uh, a little Stephen Gately uh, appearance for myself again. No, it'll be, it, but it's brilliant just to do uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, again.
0: Yeah, and you're going to be the start, you guys are going to be the star of Some Kids Christmas, as you said. It's the start of Christmas for you. So like Some Kid is going to be starting their traditions this year with the play.
1: 100%. And you see it, and it's that excitement, and it brings back the nostalgia because we were starved from it for around, uh, well, two, two years properly. Mm. And you know what, last time when we did it in 2021, again, they did it, they made a film, they were brilliant, and it was Zoom. But to see all those, you know, the kids and families coming from all around the country, And it's not just like, for so many people, and it's not even just kids, but it's not really Christmas until they see, and I know it sounds mad, until they see Sammy, Sausages and Buffy. Like they love them. They absolutely love them. And you see it and you see that same delight in, you know, a kid's age, at the age of, I don't know, kids about four or five. And I've seen it. I used to see it in kids who were my age when I was so lucky to be up there. And they're pure delighted with life. And you see it in the grannies. And there's so many people who have consistently been going to these pantos. When they started in St. Anthony's Theatre, Merchant's Quay, uh, to going down to the Liberty Hall, uh, to then go into the Tivoli for so long and then Kilmainham and now their new home national stadium. You know, so many people will make that trip and it is well worth it because credit where it's due, they work their absolute socks off. And I'm just so, I'm so blessed to be back there again. I get on so well with them. We're a lovely family in there and I love being the body. I really do. I can't wait for it. Really, really can't.
0: This is like, Jesus, Polly back, coming full circle. You, you, he's
1: coming. Have, you seen, have you seen my costume? It's nothing like Polly at all. My God, if Siobhan pushed me off the balcony, I wouldn't mind her. I'm wearing these sort of like pink, velvety <laughs> <laughs> trousers and a light bl- And I've got a wig like Lord Barcourt. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, similar. It, let's, done it. it It does look like Polly. It looked like Polly banged his head and his back up. He's still alive. That's exactly what it is.
0: (laughs) Or Ciarán being dredged out of that canal or whatever. That's it.
1: That's it. (laughs) Oh my God. Well,
0: look, I I love that you go back to full circle and that you haven't got any ego or airs of graces by thinking that like any job is too big or too small for you. I love that. So I think that's amazing that you give everything a try.
1: Absolutely. I think, it, look, it's important though as well. It is just a job at the end of the day. And sometimes you have to really, you have to play the waiting game. You really, really do. I've been blessed to work with some of the people that I've had in my career. But, you know, as my drama teacher always used to say to me, be careful who you meet on the way up. You will meet them again on your way back down. And that goes for actors that go for singers, performers, rock bands, presenters, you name it. And it is, it's it's very, very true.
0: Yeah. I think it's a really good lesson to have in any, in any career. But like to remember that ego is not going to get you anywhere. You're just going to, someone's going to remember you were a dick and they're true, going to travel true. on your dream at some point when you probably really, really need it. So,
1: and I do, uh, I do as well, Nicola, as well, just with the kids that I teach. I mean, it's not a system that I usually have to follow, but now just to kind of introduce, you know, anyone who wants to be an actor in this day and age or e- even in the limelight, you know, and you know yourself, mm-hmm. social media is you could be having the most incredible day or there could be something that you've done or you've said and it's highlighted in a paper or something and then, Mm -hmm. you know, words could get twisted or something like that and they'll take that highlight. It could be on Facebook and there's a load of like say lovely comments and there'd be one or two comments and it can just tip you over the edge. You're like, oh. Yeah. You feel so shit about yourself. For years, there was a site called boards.e. It's still a thing. I remember myself and the rest of the cast we used to look at it. Now, it is funny. Boards.ie, these people can hide behind like fake profiles and stuff like that. And you are asking for trouble to go into it. Oh, there's stuff they used to say about me and some of that, and Amelia as well. And they used to give us nicknames. Now that was fine. But because it was people behind fake profiles, whatever. But now, like... Jesus, it's not really Instagram, it's Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is the one and it's just like, well, and I see it. I see it with so many of my friends who are involved with Fair City, with Kin, with these new dramas. Mm. Just like, lads, what are you at? What are you doing? Like, it's... It's the way that we live in. And I always have to, I have to remind my students, you know, this is, if you want to make a career in this and it doesn't matter what one you go for, whether you want to do your stage acting or your Shakespeare or your Pantos, once you're up there and, you know, you, you're in any way, shape or form, some sort of limelight, people can say what they want. But really yeah. can't.
0: Yeah. And they won't say it to your face. They'll just write it down and they'll log off and not think anything of it. And you'll be up at two o'clock in the morning. It's like those teachers comments we mentioned before. You'll always remember certain comments. Uh, and they're always negative they're never the one that says Johnny's the best actor it'll be the one that said that fucking prick or whatever yeah yeah
1: yeah. well I mean Nicola I never saw one that said fucking prick but you know you can hang me out to dry if you want wow oh you didn't see my comment then for I was like fucking Johnny Ward (laughs) what a (laughs) fuck the highlight of this uh, who's this? Because I saw your last one. I was like, it's your one from Glen Roe. I was like, Mary McAvoy. I was listening to a bit of things. I was like, I am not want to break about. This one was like, just interviewing that fucking prick. <laughs> That's going to be the title of the episode, Johnny. Please do. Please do. Nicola interviews that fucking prick all over from Bear City.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Right. I have to leave you then on that note because it's hilarious. And also, I've kept you for two hours today. So, my apologies. Oh. No, listen, then- I enjoyed it. Oh, such a
1: laugh. Oh, you okay. got me over my fear of Zoom again. I never, I haven't done this in such a long time. So thank, thank you very much.
0: No, thank you so much. And
1: we could like hashtag fucking prick or something like that. Let yeah,
0: hashtag fucking prick. Hashtag Johnny's a prick. <laughs> oh. All right, my love. It's lovely to see you and next time and I'll you see you person. It. Hopefully soon. Great stuff. Yeah. yeah. Thank All you right. so much, Nicole. All right. You Have too. a Bye. great day. See Bye. you later. Bye-bye. That's Johnny Ward there, of course, on the Tiz Yourself podcast. And I hope you all laughed as much as I did. Because I laughed doing it. Yeah, you, you won't even believe how many technical in, in, issues myself and Johnny had. Oh, it was just one of those, you know, it was just one of those days. And thankfully it was with Johnny because he's so sound and we were just WhatsApping each other voice notes and laughing at ourselves because everything was just like going wrong and oh look it was hilarious I was I won't even get into it but it was very funny myself and Johnny had a great crack and then I was listening to it back obviously to edit it and I was laughing at that and that's usually a good sign but maybe I just have a really weird sense of humor I don't know I hope you guys enjoyed it anyway of course we mentioned there the panto so if you are looking to go to it whether you're a teacher and you want to bring your class or you just want to bring some of the kids or you know you're an adult and just want to go on, on a night out you know, go for it. It starts on December 12th and it goes until the 7th of January and it's Sammy Buffy and the Beanstalk and that's in the National Stadium in Dublin. So you heard there, obviously, it's um, Alan Hughes, who's going to be playing Sammy Sausages. And Carl Broderick, his husband, is the writer of it and has been doing it for like 25 years. Rob Murphy is back as Buffy. And anyone who's been before will know Rob. And of course, as Johnny mentioned there, Una Healy is in it this year. She is the fairy queen, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, fairy queen. So she'll be in it. And then, of course, Johnny is in it too. So if you want to get tickets to that, head over to Panto.ie. And tickets are, tickets are there. Now, I know because it's 25th anniversary, they put out 2,500 tickets that are only 25 quid. You would have to search around which dates they're on and stuff, obviously, over the month period or near a month period. And plus, because it's on after Christmas, you can get them as Christmas presents to somebody and they can go in between the Christmas period. You know, that awkward week after Christmas, Stephen's day once Stephen's Day is over and you've got like, you don't know what day it is and you're not back to work and the kids are not back to school. Like it's today or Tuesday or Sunday. I have no idea. I'm still eating food from Christmas Day, and if I see another Brussels sprout, I'll die. Mm-hmm. Those days, why not head into town, head up to Dumb for the day, go to the Panto. That'd be lovely. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you've enjoyed it, come and follow me on the podcast. We're on. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, what else? Twitter. All on tis yourself. Um, of course we're on all podcast players. So please come along and hit subscribe leave a rating, leave a a review, anything like that. Just happy to have you here, lads. I don't ask for much from you guys. Just happy that you guys have pressed play. If you've enjoyed it and you know someone who's a fan of Johnny's, do go and send it on to them or put up on your story on Instagram or something like that or scroll back and see if there's an episode you might enjoy. Anyway, it's been lovely having you. I'm going to let you go because it's now God knows what time at night and I should probably get some sleep because I am going to a wedding tomorrow. So congratulations to my lovely friend, Jennifer. And to her fiance, Rory. And I'm looking forward to getting glammed up. And when this episode is airing, I'll be heading to the church. So uh, congratulations to them, my lovely, my lovely, lovely friend. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for tuning in today. As long a and look after yourselves.